Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my monthly live training. My next live training will be happening on Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, Thais Gibson. She is an attachment theory and relationship expert. And if you've never heard the phrase attachment theory, Fear not, because before this show, I had neither. Thais is going to share with us what that is. Also, we're going to talk about the power of the subconscious mind. And the, the mystery is going to be revealed why I went from being someone afraid to speak to someone not willing to shut up. It's all on this great episode with Thais Gibson. Thais, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And welcome to September. Yes, here we are so quickly. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, we had the COVID this year. We had a whole bunch of other stuff went wrong this year. And people are like, Can we just reset this year? And yet, we've made it all the way through the first eight months of the year. Many of us are still here. And I'm hoping. It's going to cool down here in Houston. It's like a million degrees down here right now. You're up in Toronto, a little bit cooler up there. So I was telling you before we hit record that I get excited when it starts getting cool in Canada, because that means there's hope for us to getting cool weather down here in Houston, but we're, we're a couple months away, but uh, I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Yeah. I think we'll look back on 2020 and be like, do you guys remember 2020 that year? Like, I think it'll be, you know, well, 40 years from now, we'll be looking back having those conversations. Yeah. And I really think that when we get over this, I really think that uh, we're going to take off. I mean, the economy exactly. and the world is going to take off. You know, we, we have things like this. We had the Spanish flu of 1918. You know, we have these things. And here's the thing. What do we do in this situation when we're going, when everything's going wrong, the sky is falling? What do we do? Do we sit there and curl up in the ball and watch Netflix all the time? What do we do? And I think to your point, we're going to look back. We're going to go, you know what? During that year known as 2020, I improved myself. I became a better person myself. I didn't watch TV all the time. Or are you going to say, man, I wasted the year 2020. And so it's going to be really interesting two, three years down the road, how we evaluate how we spent 2020. Would you agree? I agree completely. And I really believe like the, the micro and the macro sort of reflect one another. And I really believe that, you know, individually, if you look at the process of transformation as a single individual, it always starts off messy. You go through this like dark period and you realize stuff's wrong and not working. And it's really challenging and chaotic. And I think that like, that's sort of the global experience we're having right now is like, there's a lot of things that are showing up and a lot of, you know, the, the messy process of transformation always starts off on sort of the dark foot, but it ultimately leads to something better and people become more powerful, more strong because of their experiences. And hopefully that's what we're, we're sort of Go, moving towards a, at a collective level as well. And we always have issues. Every year we have issues. It's just that yeah. 2020 seemed to like it just like <laughs> magnified, but we can't go All back to <laughs> right. We can't go back to 2019 said, Oh, there's no issues in 2019 or 2018. We always have issues. It's just magnified this year. 
Yes, absolutely. So before we get started with the topic I want to talk to you about today, why don't you take about 20 seconds or so and tell us who is Thais? By the way, I love your name, Thais Gibson. I love that name. Who is Thais Gibson and what do you do? Yeah, so um, I work in a practice historically. I've worked in practice for the better part of a decade with clients one-to-one. And I grew up uh, actually going through a whole bunch of challenges myself, struggled with addiction, um, addicted to painkillers and and, Mm. uh, from about 14 to, to 21 years old. So, you know, that early chapter of adolescence. And I personally went through an experience where it was sort of like, you know, I, I had a knee surgery. I was an athlete, got addicted to painkillers um, and was like, what is this? Like, what is going on? I, I had my first experience of having withdrawals before I even knew what addiction was, like mm. what, what withdrawals were. And so it was this sort of like really challenging dynamic for me, but it set me off on a trajectory at a really young age to feel like, okay, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I get out of this situation? And I did rehab, I did AA meetings, NA meetings, therapy, you name it. And a lot of stuff wasn't working for me. And then it wasn't until I learned about the principles of the subconscious mind and how like your conscious mind cannot outwill or overpower your subconscious mind. It can only hack systems, reprogram them, heal them, things like that. And when I came across that information, I was like, oh my goodness, this describes this struggle. Because every day I would be like, oh, this is the last time, this is the last time. And then, you know, three hours later, I'm back doing the same thing. And it's like so defeating as a person to go through that. And then to have my hands on that information was like this like massive just awakening moment for me. So that set me on a path, um, did a, a master's degree in transpersonal psych, went back to school, did like 13 different certifications, trying to understand wow. everything about the mind <laughs> and um, and had a very busy practice like right away um, before I even expected to start my practice. And um, that led to launching the personal development school. So finding a way to sort of systematically share information that I found to be very, very valuable in a set of different courses um, so that I could help and serve more people instead of just always being there one-to-one. And and um, we have a few thousand students in there and and it's a really, it's been an amazing journey. You know, I, I got to stop and acknowledge you for something is that not too many people come on my show and talk as fast as I do. So I don't think anyone, no one's going to listen to the show on, they're probably going to listen on 0.5x because you and I both talk very fast. So I love that because you, the reason why we do it, we have so much information we want to share with the world. We just want to get it all out. So that, no apologies. It's just, I love it because you bring the energy. So the other thing is, uh, let's talk about the subconscious mind because I know you're fascinated by it. And one of the things I learned about it many years ago is the subconscious mind remembers everything you ever did, did said and thought. It just collects and collects. And the problem is, is if you expose yourself to a lot of negative things, well, that's what the majority of the subconscious mind is. And that's why I tell people embrace positivity. It's also why I tell people when you sit down to make a list of your goals or your dreams, you sit down and you write, you know, we all have those goals. We just start writing, writing. Now we have that pause and that pause is very critical. And I'd like you to talk about this because when that pause hits, that's when the brain is going back to subconscious mind. I, I I look at the subconscious mind like a stubborn teenager. You gotta gotta work with it, and then once it starts giving you the information, you can't like stop and go do something. You have to keep letting it flow. But I think that people have a biggest problem with is they get that pause and they go, "Oh, that's all there is." No, that's the stuff in your conscious mind. Now your brain's going back in the subconscious mind and getting that stuff. Is that correct? Yes. And, and the other thing too, is like your, your subconscious mind stores all memories ever. It can consolidate them and like change them a little bit over time, but it also is processing like every single 
like you walk into a room, you don't realize, but you know, the person's socks and you know, all the people <laughs> in the room, the, the color of their socks and what they look like. Your subconscious stores like very intensive images and it processes, you know, roughly a billion bits of data per second compared to your conscious mind's 30 to 40 bits of data wow. per second. So it's just so much more powerful and it's doing so much more work. And when we really want to create transformation or facilitate change in our lives, if we don't have the subconscious engaged in the process, this is why you see people like failing their new year's resolutions on day three. Cause they're conscious mind is like, we're going to set this goal. And the subconscious is like, no, we have other plans. And, and so we see all these different dynamics where people struggle, you know, addiction, even like anger issues and, and different struggles there. Um, goal setting all, you know, taking like massive action in their lives towards creating shifts and changes they want to see manifest. And like, if we don't engage and understand the principles of the subconscious in the process, we are fighting a losing battle. Mm. And so it's really important that people have like, you know, in, in a mainstream way, access to certain principles and what that all means and what it's comprised of. I was a, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I used to fight the concept of meditation for so long. I like, ah, oh, that's foolish. It's, you know, I'm not a monk. I don't have to meditate. And then Back in 2018, my wife and I got Apple Watches, and it had this thing called the Breathe app on there. And I'm like, what is this thing? I'm like, I know how to breathe. And so I would like never use it. And then I started learning more about meditation. And just stopping for a minute to close your eyes and do deep breathing, it like opens up your mind to things. And so I I would argue, and I'd like to know what you think about this. I think the subconscious mind is doesn't yell at us. It's very quiet. And if you're busy on social media and playing video games and go, 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 your subconscious mind can't tell you anything. Am, am I off base or is that, am, am I on target on no, that? You're absolutely correct. And, and you know, it's so interesting because the brain is designed to complete life experiences. So you go through the day and let's say we see somebody who struggles with anxiety or even like depression, but let's just use the example of anxiety. Somebody goes throughout the day and let's say they're on their way to work and they're late and they make this story up in their, in their car ride to work. Oh my gosh, my boss is going to be mad. Everybody's going to humiliate me. They're going to talk about me. If all that happens with that information that your conscious mind sort of thinks, it just goes into the subconscious with all the emotion attached to it and it stores. Mm. Now your subconscious is waiting to complete these things and to go, no, it's going to be okay. Or to get into work and know you still have a job and you're not going to be homeless on the street. And, <laughs> and all that happens throughout the course of the day is this information passes in goes into the subconscious with all the emotion intact and then it just creates this buildup of emotional residue. And if we don't go back in and take the time to actually process this information, maybe change or question these painful stories we're telling ourselves that are eliciting these negative emotional responses in the first place, then we have this ongoing buildup. And then we have, you know, by 5 p.m., it's like, my boss is going to fire me. <laughs> my wife's going to be <laughs> mad, you know, all these different things going on. And then, of course, we feel anxiety. And what's actually happening is our emotions what their function is, is our emotions are there as a feedback mechanism. And they're actually trying to help us make subconsciously stored information conscious. They're trying to like act as alarm bells to catch our attention so we can go back inwards and be like, oh, what's this anxiety made up of? What were the anxious thoughts I was having throughout the day? Or what were the needs that were not met throughout the course of the day? And to actually take the time with your conscious mind to go in there work through these things. And actually meditation provides an amazing outlet for it because if you pay close attention, if you sit in meditation for long enough, all these little things that were bothering you will start to pop up 
Yeah. And it's actually an opportunity to process and question some of the painful assumptions we make and, and work through those things. And so meditation is an extremely powerful gift that, that allows people to sort of get in a space where their conscious and subconscious mind can communicate with each other. I love that. And when I actually created a new watch face that it's got the, the, uh, the breathe app. So all I have to do is tap it and I'm trying to do more because I know when I start feeling anxious or overwhelmed or frustrated, and I know enough to say, okay, stop. Everyone's got a minute. So you don't have to have an Apple watch. You got a timer on your phone. You can just set the timer and say, look, it. I got a big call coming up or I got a presentation. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to do some deep breathing just for one minute. You don't have to do 30 minutes. One minute will work powerfully, but we're always like, oh, well, I got the, I could, that minute I could be doing something else. No, that minute is to set you up for success for your next thing. And once I finally realize that the meditation is to help me to show up better, I'm like, oh, I can do this. And so now I will confess, sometimes the watch goes off and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to breathe right now. When I probably should have, because within a short period of time afterwards, I get frustrated. But had I taken the time, I may not have gotten frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. And something I always share with people too is like, there's only two reasons that we feel negative emotion. So whether it's frustration or overwhelm, it's because we either have unmet needs or we have painful meaning we're giving to the needs not being met. So for example, let's say somebody goes through like a breakup and let's say, you know, their unmet needs might be, oh, there's now a loss of emotional connection and physical connection. So you have unmet needs and that's going to create pain and pain is actually good for us as human beings. It's why we've survived and evolved for so long. We had pain when we had to find food and water and shelter Mm -hmm. and it forces us to grow and adapt. But then suffering is the story we tell. So we go, oh, we're going through a breakup and now I'm going to be alone forever. Now I'm going to be, (laughs) nobody ever loved me. I'm not good enough for a relationship. And we tell all these painful stories and then we have suffering. And so, you know, you can take that really simple analogy and that applies to everything. If we're overwhelmed through the day, we might have an unmet need or we might be telling ourselves a story like, oh, we're never going to get anything done in time. Everybody's going to be frustrated with us. We're going to disappoint people. So when we feel negative emotion, our job is actually to pause, like you said, go inwards and be like, are there unmet needs that are happening for me? If so, what are they? And how can I strategize ways to meet them? Or am I just telling myself these really scary stories and and catastrophizing in my mind, which is something that a lot of individuals do on a very regular basis because our brain is designed to focus on negative more than positive as a survival mechanism. And so we get into this space where if we just pause and do that, you stop building up all this ongoing emotional residue. And that's when we actually think and focus most clearly and when we procrastinate the least. Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, mrproductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. I love that word, catastrophizing. That's It's like I like tornadic activity. I like, like those words. It's nothing to do with this, this episode at all, but I just thought I'd point that out. So let's talk about one of the things you said that was on your heart to talk, share with our audience today is attachment theory. Now, I'll be honest with you, never heard that until we connected. So first, tell us what is attachment theory? And then the second follow-up question is, why are you so fascinated about it? Okay. Amazing question. So attachment theory is this idea was originally developed by John Bowlby and and Mary Ainsworth. And it's this concept that we basically all have different ways that we attach to people in relationships. And, And it starts with the child and the caregiver. 
And the thing that I like to look at this through the lens of, or the analogy I like to use is you want to imagine that because of the condition programs you get at a subconscious level, so the subconscious is programmed through repetition plus emotion. So whatever repetitive patterns we get that are stored in terms of how we relate to others sort of provides this rule book. And you can think of people with two different attachment styles. There's four main ones that I'll go through, but they're um, people with two different attachment styles, sort of like playing the game of life and communication with two different rule books. And so you can imagine like, or or somebody's playing a board game with a different set of rules, there's going to be a lot of unnecessary friction. And this can be in our relationships in the workplace. This can be in our relationships romantically, our friendships, family relationships, everything. So basically this concept or idea is that we all get these rules for what it means to attach to other people that we learn through our caregiver experiences. And they get sort of um, compartmentalized into four main categories. So one is secure. And these are individuals who feel that they can express their feelings and needs and they have healthy communication dynamics. And, and these are the people who, who usually have successful relationships, higher self-esteem. It impacts so many different areas of our lives. And then we have three insecurely attached individuals. And so these are our dismissive avoidance, our fearful avoidant and our anxious preoccupied. So what I'll do is I'll go through like sort of a bit of a high level overview here of these three styles. And then why it really matters and what we can yeah, do. Yeah, don't about go it. too deep because people may be out running and they may they may misstep and trip. We don't want anybody to fall. So yeah, just keep this at a thirty thousand foot level so we get the concept. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So basically we have dismissive avoidance and, and these individuals go through some form of emotional neglect in childhood. And so what they learn is a byproduct of that. And it can be sort of under the radar that they just don't have emotionally available parents or their parents aren't present with them enough, things like that. Or it can be more severe. And what they learn is that it does it doesn't feel good to be vulnerable. My emotions are not safe to feel. And as a result, I don't really want to get too close to people or commit to them either. And these are the individuals you see in their adult lives who usually are spending a lot of time alone, who don't like committed relationships, things like this. And on the opposing end of the spectrum, we have anxious, preoccupied individuals who are basically the opposite. They learn like, I need a lot of closeness and connection and they have this fear of abandonment. And usually it's because they have some kind of inconsistency with their caregivers where their caregivers are really warm, but maybe they work a lot or they're gone for long periods of time or one parent's really warm and one parent's more cold and dismissive. And so this child learns like, oh my gosh, I really want connection, but I can lose it at any time. And so they they hang on and they cling and they become afraid of losing it. And this really impacts an individual self-esteem going into life. And a lot of these individuals fear abandonment, fear loss, fear um, being rejected, feel not good enough, have a lot of these core wounds that impact them at work, with friendships, with everybody. And it can be very distracting to live life when you're always preoccupied with that emotional residue Mm -hmm. of how you're perceiving your world at a subconscious level. And then in the middle, we have the fearful avoidant, which is sort of characterizes the more challenging attachment style to be because they have the anxious side and the dismissive side. And they tend to, you know, have bigger trust wounds. And usually somebody develops a fearful avoidant attachment style because of some form of trauma. So these are like major attachment styles. And you can think of these things as the different you know, sets of rules people have about, can I trust people? Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Am I deserving of love? Are relationships safe? Is vulnerability okay? Like we have all these different subconsciously programmed associations. And I like to give people the analogy as well that, you know, your subconscious mind basically provides the lens that you see and interact with the world through. Mm -hmm. And we have all these stories of ourselves in that lens. Like I am good enough, or, you know, I'm not good enough at all, or I am worthy, or I am deserving, or I'm not. And all these things impact all of the seven areas of, of our lives, whether it's our career, our money, the ways we interact with other people. And so what we're really trying to do with, with knowing this information is understand like, you know, from our attachment style perspective, 
What are the stories we carry about ourselves? Who do we define ourselves to be, especially in our relationships with others? And how can we actually isolate those big wounds and recognize what's not serving and then work to reprogram those things so we can shed these painful stories and beliefs we might be carrying and actually empower ourselves to be greater, feel safer, feel more empowered and and feel good about taking opportunities and risks in our lives so that we can keep growing. So what got you into this uh, attachment theory? What what was it? Was there something in your life or was there you, did you go through some training or schooling and it just it just attracted you to it? Oh, tell us about how you got into this. A great question. So really what it was for me is as I went through this process of healing addiction and understanding the subconscious mind, what I understood very clearly about addiction is that all addiction is rooted in trauma. And, you know, every single person that you're going to see who's an addict of some form has trauma that is unprocessed. And like we said, your subconscious mind stores all memories ever with all the emotion intact. And so if you think about it, like throughout the course of a day, if you have all these, you know, your subconscious mind provides this lens that you see the world through, but in that lens, you think people can't be trusted. I'm unsafe in the world. I'm unworthy of love. I'm not good enough. You know, and you have all these scary stories because you've been imprinted by past experiences that then got stored at a subconscious level. Mm. If, you know, if you want to go through life and, and feel good, but you're constantly having all these beliefs, well, beliefs create thoughts. So if I believe I'm not good enough, I, you know, go into that job interview and I think, oh, I'm not going to show up well. Everybody's (laughs) going to be better. And so I have, you can think of the belief as the tree trunk and the thoughts are all the tree branches. Thoughts produce emotion. How do I feel when I'm thinking those thoughts? I feel stressed, anxious, nervous for the interview. And then emotions, neuroscience has proven that every single decision we make is actually based on emotion. So even those of us who think we're like the logical, rational thinkers, we actually make emotionally based decisions at the tipping point. And then we're just quick to rationalize or justify through logic. So if we're not in charge of our beliefs at a subconscious level, the stories we've been imprinted by because of painful past experiences about ourselves, then we're not in charge of our thoughts, emotions, or actions. And so when I really like learned about all of this, it was like, how do we go back into our subconscious, identify those original belief imprints, and then work to reprogram them so we change that entire trajectory of thought thoughts, emotions, and actions, and we show up better. And so that was the work I started doing with myself. And then what I realized is that most of the the most impactful trauma we go through actually happens before the age of eight. And trauma doesn't have to be like a terrible car accident. Trauma is just anything we couldn't properly make sense of or emotionally process. So we stored instead and we gave it meaning like, oh, you know, I I was bullied as a kid. So I'm just, I'm disliked. Nobody likes Mm -hmm. me, you know, so things we couldn't make sense of. And so what I found is that most of this comes from our relationships. And so when I learned about attachment theory and then really took that into like the subconscious level of attachment theory, like how our subconscious actually processes our attachment patterns, what I found is that this is the best framework to use for how to understand the stories you carry about yourself, the core wounds you have, the ways you trust other people and relate to them. And then that impacts, you know, if you believe you're worthy and deserving of money, if you believe you're good enough to take risks to build your your finances, if you think you can, you know, be an entrepreneur and move in that direction of your career, or if you believe, no, I'm not good enough, so why bother? And so, you know, we have our career, finances, mental, emotional well-being, physical, how we show up for our, our health goals. And then we have our relationships and all of these things are literally impacted by the rules and stories we learn from ourselves through the way we attach to others at a very young age. Something you said very, very beginning of the show was you talked about that our subconscious mind like whites these, like let's use a circle. It likes the circle being completed. And as you go through and, and the circle's not getting completed, you have all these fragments in your subconscious mind. Am I understanding that correctly? 
Absolutely. And, and not only that, but so our brain wants to complete life experiences, but at the same time, our brain likes to give meaning because it thinks that meaning is safety. So when we're little children and mom's, let's say, emotionally cold to us, we're not like, oh, mom's having a bad day. (laughs) You know, she's a little off today. We're like, mom's not loving me. I'm not worthy Mm. of love. Or if we make a mistake on, you know, a, a show and tell presentation in grade school, we're not like, oh, this is part of the learning process. We're supposed to make mistakes. The brain gives meaning based on worst case scenarios because it wants to remember those worst case scenarios Uh, so it can protect from them. So we go on through our lives to develop this framework of who we are at a subconscious level that's basically just filled with negative imprints. And when, and then our brain, when we are around people that that associate with those negative things. So let's say 20 years later, you haven't done work on the the grade school presentation you messed up on. Maybe 20 years later, you're terrified of public speaking because mm. you already have meaning embedded and stored at a subconscious level that says, you know, oh, I, I get disliked. I'll get bullied. People will, you know, make fun of me. I'm not safe, you know? And so you have all this stored meaning from the past and the brain is constantly reprojecting that past meaning back out onto its current experiences. And that's how we actually interact with the world is not through the world itself objectively, but through the consistent subjective projections we put onto the world through our past unprocessed, unresolved experiences. Well, then that brings up an interesting question that I have for you is all during high school and college, I hated oral reports. Now I'm a speaker. I'm an online trainer. I'm a podcaster. I go LinkedIn live and I have no fear. And so can you explain why that switch flipped? between being scared and then my brain somehow rewired itself. And now as evident, if anybody knows me, I can't shut up. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) So this is one of the beautiful things of the subconscious mind is that we can have these really strong fears and reproject them. But if we have enough, so the language of the subconscious is emotion. It's not actual like physical language. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you have enough motivation to want to create change, then how the subconscious actually gets reprogrammed is through repetition plus emotion. So let's say you're like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I want to move in this direction. You're really emotionally motivated to move in this direction with your career. At the beginning, like everybody knows, we probably have these original fears and like sort of, oh no, I don't know. And, and you get a little nervous. And, and But as you expose yourself repeatedly over time, and then you see that you made it through and it elicits this sense of relief or courage, I did it, or empowerment, whatever feelings that are positively associated over time, the repetition of exposing yourself to new experiences plus new emotions. Like I did it. I feel empowered. I made it through that. You actually start building in positive associations to those original things that frightened you or terrified you. You know, it's interesting. I I can tell you what happened is when I got fired from my job back in July, 2005, I became an entrepreneur and I became the first thing was a wedding and portrait photography. Now, remember, we're going way back in 2005, Facebook and Twitter were new. And I said, you know, I know a professional speaker in my church. And I said, I wonder as a way to promote my business, if I would go out and speak to groups. And so I went to this lady and said, can you help me become a speaker? She told me what to do. And the first time I spoke, I'll never forget, it was in front of the Houston chapter of the National Association of Women in Construction. I was sweating like like nobody's business. But my wife afterwards, I said, well, how did it go? Because I was, I couldn't even see. It was, everything's a blur, right? She goes, everyone's on the edge of their seat. Everyone's taking notes. And everybody came up and thanked me. And I think maybe that was the trigger. My brain goes, hey, this is a good thing. Then I did it again 
and again. And now I love being being, being a presenter because people like, do I want to die or present? I don't know. Me, I like to present because I like to help people. And so I've been doing this so much now. I can like walk on stage in front of 5,000 people. It wouldn't fear me at all. And I think it happens because I wanted to promote my business and I decided to step out on the limb just a little bit. Got enough confidence, and according to what you're saying, my subconscious mind started reprojecting different stories, and now I'm very confident. Exactly, and then the rep- repetition of that with new emotional associations being built in are like so powerful. And you think of like if somebody's, let's say, nobody has a core belief like I am unsafe, and then that poor person, God forbid, you know, gets in a car car accident that day, life threatening, they survive that, you know, they're going to get back in a car and they're going to be like, uh, uh, like this is scary (laughs) stuff here. Right. And so it's because one, a one-time imprint with enough positive or negative emotion builds an entirely new associations Mm. to all of our previously stored experiences. So you had probably enough positive emotion in that experience where like all these fears, you actually equilibrated and and collapsed that entire original program with your fears because so much positive stuff came out of it. And then it gives you that motivation to move on and keep exposing yourself, keep building in new associations. And suddenly you exclusively positive associations stored towards this stuff, which motivates and drives your behavior. Wow. Well, this has been an incredible conversation with you. I learned a lot. I know my audience did as well. So before we wrap up, any final thoughts you want to share with us? You know, I I, I always like to sort of leave like a, a something that people can do action wise. Yes, to yes. Recognize. And, and so what I would say is if you find yourself as a human being, um, resistant, failing, struggling, you know, I keep setting this goal and keep not following through anything like that. The first thing you want to do is you want to isolate the problem. So like, what, what is it that I'm trying to do and why am I not doing it? What am I afraid of? What am I believing about the situation? And what you want to do is you want to change your story. Okay. So if you believe public speaking, you know, I'm going to fail, I'm going to, I'm going to die. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes we have these really crazy stories too. And like, sometimes people say I'm going to die and they're like emoting as if they're going to die. And then you're like, hold on, can you a hundred percent know that you're going to get on that stage and you're going to die? They're like, well, no. And it creates relief. And so you want to change your story and then you want to expose yourself in very small increments over time to that thing you fear. And every time you do, you want to build in positive emotion. So instead of looking at like how scary that was, be like, no, I made it through. I did that. I'm courageous. And think consciously intentionalized thoughts that elicit a positive emotion and you can actually reprogram your relationship to anything that you're afraid of or resistant towards. So that's what I would say just for people who are interested and and want to get started on that. It's a fantastic tool to use. Excellent. So where can we find you online? Because I know people are going to want to reach out to you and find out more because I know they're fascinated with this topic as I am now. So where can we go find you online? Amazing. So I have a ton of free content on YouTube. It's personal development school dash Thais Gibson um, on our website, www.com personaldevelopmentschool.com. That's our our website for the actual school. We have like 30 plus courses. We put two new courses out every single month um, and over 150 live webinars I've done in there with people. So lots of content, lots of things to really support people's process. Um, And then our Instagram is personaldevelopment underscore school. And we've got free content content on there as well. I love it's called the personal development school because it wasn't until I'm 55, so about five years ago, I came to this epiphany that I looked at all the really successful people who had a lot of money and they made personal development a priority. Then look at the other people who are struggling to make ends meet 
and they don't make priority uh, personal development a priority. And I said, huh, there's this big chasm here. What side do I want to be on? So I found like Warren Buffett and uh, Mark Cuban and like all these people, they read a lot. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. So I don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I make sure I spend time in personal development seven days a week, 365 days a year, including Christmas, including New Year's, including 4th of July. I spend time in personal development. It really matters. All you have to do is look at the successful people and how they they prioritize personal development. So I really love the fact that your website is the personal development school. Thank you. I so appreciate hearing that. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And, and basically it's personal development school for the subconscious mind. Everything has like subconscious components. Mm-hmm. So it fast tracks your process. Yes. So, so, um, yeah, that's super exciting and extremely, extremely important for everybody. Cause you don't get lost in like all the emotional residue that's bogging you down and taking up all this real estate in your brain on a daily basis. You get to work that stuff out and then you have all this room for success and thriving and creativity and innovation. Cause you're not distracted <laughs> by the past. <laughs> absolutely. Thais, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so fun. This was so much fun. Thank you very much for having me. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training, Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. Going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. Register by clicking the link in my show notes or in the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.